0: This is from Excuse Me, Jesus, While I Fall, a mother with an abusive husband having six children with the abuser by the time she reached age 21. She must endure in order to survive. We are what we learn. The year is 1938. Fannie Mae is 11 years of age, born to a Cherokee woman named Lily, taken from her tribe by a Caucasian man at the age of 16 and forced to serve him was nothing more than usual in those days. Often, the elders of the tribe would trade the younger girls to men considered powerful and of great influence in exchange for goods or other resources that would benefit the tribe. To these young girls, this was an honor to be used in this fashion, though many of the girls ended up in abusive situations, forced to become slaves and to perform unspeakable acts for the men that now owned them. This was the case for Lily. Meek, tall for her age, unique. Many of the girls born within her tribe had long black hair. Lily's hair was light brown. Many had eyes of brown. Lily's eyes were green. Even her skin was unlike many of the girls in her tribe. Others had skin of gold. Lily had skin the color of cream. She easily passed as a Caucasian, often teased by the other younger siblings in her tribe as being a pale face. Lily quickly gained the heart of her new master and did whatever he asked of her. She did not have to sleep in the barn with the other girls that Mr. Graves had bought from other tribes, his collection of young girls. Though common in those days, today we would call perverted and quickly label it as human trafficking. Mr. Graves would allow his friends to come to his property and have their way with the young girls. Those that got pregnant would raise their young for the sole purpose of trade. If a male was born to any girl, he was quickly sold to the highest bidder. The males reared to become Farm hands are what they called stallions. Often the other men that had bought male children would bring them back to Mr. Graves with the purpose of reproduction only to impregnate the young girls. This was a harvest to these men. Many would bring in black male slaves, today known as African Americans, because they were more in abundance. Mixing the bloods between cultures, starting a line of hybrids, growing women and men into hard, sharp, and humans with no grace, little skills, or education. Many of them bitter and full of anger, forcing nature to produce for greedy values, which yields a breed that seemed damned from birth. Many of the girls that had the opportunity to return to their tribe did so gladly, mostly because of the owners dying. Many could never return to their tribe, being forced to have young, and because of the mixed bloods that their offspring held, they had become outcasts. Little was one of the fortunate. Being kept inside and having her master fall in love with her in just a few short years, she eventually became his wife. No one knew that she was an Indian belonging to the Cherokee tribe because of her skin tone and green eyes. Moreover, Mr. Graves made sure that Lily learned to speak English, his language, very well, and ensured her native tongue would never be spoken again before placing her on his arm to parade her through town. Lily became pregnant and bore Mr. Graves a baby girl. Other than her hair being black, she was the spitting image of Lily, and even her eyes were green. They named the baby girl Fanny Mae Graves. Once again, Lily bore a baby girl. This baby would shake the very foundation of Mr. Graves. This baby girl had golden skin, black hair, and brown eyes. Lily hoped that as the baby grew, somehow her skin and hair color would change. However, the baby girl only grew to display the Cherokee heritage, denied for years. Mr. Graves would have nothing to do with this baby. Lily named the baby Olivia. As both children grew, Lily began to change as her body gave in from birthing children. Boys and girls were born to Mr. Graves, growing abusive to all of his children and his wife. Mr. Graves grew to despise the foundation he had laid for himself one of the children would birth me many moons later along with her first son dying at the hand of her abusive husband his death caused by a fall while bathing my father would hurt my mother causing her to slip while wet falling with whom would have been the firstborn He would have been the eldest of the five girls and two boys that she would birth successfully in the years to come. My mother, a strong woman, would end up her and her youngest sister, my auntie, fleeing to the arms of a soldier to get away from my grandmother and grandfather, Mr. and Mrs. Graves. Which was worse, they would find out. Yes. Lily was my grandmother, Mr. Graves my grandfather. Eventually my mother's youngest sister would grow into quite a beautiful young woman that would meet and sweep a soldier off his feet as well. The soldier eventually would not only rescue my auntie from my mother and abusive mate my father, they rescued my grandmother from my abusive grandfather that denied us all Such an uncaring trail of hate, deceit, and wrong upbringing. However, we all endured. Everyone grew older, and the times changed. My father would fall to his disease of high blood pressure and the mental breakdowns brought on from having the top of his head blown off in the Korean War. He had to wear a steel plate as part of his skull, and with the skin graft and the surgery, he looked normal outside of scars and him flipping completely out and forgetting who everyone was. I guess he would have been a good dad had he not been broken down and rebuilt into a killing machine. He was a soldier, and I'll never know. When I was six years old, he died a most horrible death giving in to his HPB and mental breakdowns. He also suffered a heart attack, which left him in a bad way, so bad that his casket had to remain closed during his memorial services. I overheard my mother say he looked as though something had scared him to death. His face was twisted and his body was twisted like something tried to turn him inside out. It rained for three nights as if a cloud of victory opened as hell swallowed him up, and my grandfather, outside of his ugly ways, I am satisfied with the fact that he just uglied away, if uglied is even a word. No more details about my upbringing, which this book is not about. My mother on her own with seven children, depending on the skills that she learned as she went through life, even attempting to get her cosmetology license, not seeing it through because of a promise made later from a man that promised to hang the moon for her, he would become my stepfather. From cleaning houses, keeping farm life, For pay and gifts, dancing with men in nightclubs for pay, that she could continue paying her way through beauty school and support us. The seven. My mother received aid from organizations that helped back then Red Cross, Salvation Army, United Way, Goodwill, and Government Aid, to name a few. These icons back then are nothing like these days, 2021. And whatever else mother could do to bring in money, she did it. Odd jobs here and there. There, my mother did whatever she had to do for food, clothing, shelter, and household bills. She did meet some nice ladies along the way. One would introduce mother to Christ. My mother had not known love, our values per se, however, did make sure we learned what she did not to the best of her ability. Drugs, alcohol, promiscuity, and the lifestyle of the dark worlds was what my mother knew that was introduced to us before my mother was introduced to Christ, which is the line up for this book. The comfort of old ways will always creep up in our lives. After we fall or fail at things we think we have under control, sad but true. One of the greatest gifts my mother received was Christ. The greatest gift that my mother gave to us is Christ. I write this with much conviction. I am a grown woman now, children of my own, learning the ways of the Trinity and who they are, allowing and asking God to change me from the things and the ways taught to me by my guardians. I ask God to show me and help me that I may be some earthly good for his benefit, for his glory, and that I may teach my children as they should know and learn as written in our basic instructions before leaving earth. Bible. Many years later, comparing my growth and walk with Jesus Christ, I am saddened by the state of our body, the at arm's length love shown within the churches today, the cliques and organized religion, which many forget the purpose and the one that set it in place. Point. If I had not known love, or had I been taught to do right and walk by ancient oracles within our instruction manual, a.k.a. Bible, though it came what I consider to be late, It came nonetheless and I have read and do read and have learned and am learning daily. The year now in this conversation is 1994. I met Christ for the first time in 1973. I was 13 years old where I confessed Jesus as my Lord. Not sure what that meant at the time. Then again on June 6th, 1994. He came for me. Here too, I had only heard about this greatness from my mother. She will be happy to know that the path she laid did indeed lead me to Christ, though I've a ways to go. After meeting and growing and getting to know the one so great and seeking with every core of my being, I have to tell you, I have seen more hurt than the abusers foretold earlier in this book. At least those that live in the dark know that they are in the dark. So many in this body of Christianity. I will not say the body of Christ because change is within a journey with Christ's joining, being grafted into the Trinity, being changed, transformed by a body, which is Christ, if allowed. This body built for man's sake, to stand above all others, with the big spiritual stick to point at all others for not being like them, Christians. The church was made for us. We were not made for the church, nor for the preachers that decides they want to become great and house the biggest and the better for their many speaking and for their bringing in monies that many never see outside of in their lifestyles being promoted. We were made for God. The church as a place to congregate on behalf of the Trinity and for those in need of help in finding out whose they are, which are all. The lesson is greater than teaching how to give money. It is greater than teaching how to be blessed, but how to be a blessing, and not just a chosen few made up of selected groups that think they are holy because they have a title or give money to make up for the folly brought into the temple of God. For this many will lack attention and participation except on Sundays, setting up small outreach groups, however, never being part except to say, I gave money towards it. I have done my part. Praise the Lord. Jesus called them Pharisees and Sadducees. Question, who were the Sadducees and the Pharisees? Answer when we return right after this brief advertisement from our sponsors. Welcome back the gospel refers often to the Sadducees and Pharisees as Jesus was in constant conflict with them. One of the major difficulties in describing the Sadducees clarifies all that we know about them comes from their opponents. Only what we read about them in the Bible, how they treated Jesus himself and those that believed in Christ as the son of God and not just another prophet are just another man. They themselves left no written records. The various factions that emerged under Hasmonean rule. The Hasmonean rulers took the Greek title basileus meaning sovereign king or emperor and some modern scholars refer to this period as an independent kingdom of Israel. The kingdom was ultimately conquered by the Roman Republic and the dynasty was displaced by Herod the Great. Three are of particular interests the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Essenes, a member of an ancient Jewish ascetic sect of the 2nd century BC, 2nd century AD in Palestine, who lived in highly organized groups and held property in common. The Essenes are widely regarded as the authors of the Dead Sea Scrolls. I do know that Jesus spoke a parable and they thought he was talking about bread. Jesus broke it down in the book of Matthew 16 and 12, then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Luke 18 and 11, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you, that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Luke 18 and 12. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. 2 Corinthians 3 and 9. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? This dude was indeed full of himself. All heard this Pharisee. Jesus said to those that heard the Pharisee, for I say to you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the Sadducees and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. That was then. This is now. And the same rule apply. Let's bring it up to present day, shall we? The year is 2014. Because of the falsehood that many portray within the church, the belief in Christ is diminishing for many because of those that elect themselves to become the chair speaker for the throne of grace. Many will miss the opportunity to see the Holy Trinity in full bloom on this earth. Why, you may ask? Let's look at it. Many are appointed but not anointed. Let us build a body, shall we? Definitions of positions that churchgoers are eager to fill. These are Sadducees and Pharisees. You don't have to wear a cloak to be one. Teaching it's okay to fall into sin because God is love. These place emphasis on it's okay to be that old, dead, sad, confused, holding the yoke of the world instead of Christ around our necks. Thank God it's Friday, so one get to get drunk, cut loose, and be free from labor and man. Two-day vacation does not a prison make. I will say this: there is more to life than just living, hindering the change and growth for many. These type of churchgoers is, and for this, many will never be transformed into the new creature that is spoken of in our oracles from Father, because they teach us okay to not change because God. God is love. God is love. They got that right. They do teach how to build a body. For the church, though, for example. Greeters for the arriving brethren, turning people off instead of turning them on to Christ. Bitter, resentful, and letting everyone that enter those grounds know that they are a waste of their time and they wish they would just go away. Why? Because these types are angry that they have to start in the parking lot instead of the position that they applied for, which was deacon. Sad. How many confess God but never know God? I think it is because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they wanted glory and honor for being above all placing themselves in a position to be the direct link to God, and all would have to go through them to get to God. I guess that would make one sad and mad to know that that indeed is not the case. It is an honor to become a deacon within the church, but even a greater honor to become a deacon in the body of Jesus Christ. What is the difference, you may ask? One is appointed by man. The other is anointed and placed within by Jesus Christ. Those that place this anointed one spent quality time before the altar of our God asking Jesus before placing such a one within. Yet, we are talking on average. And, on average, an appointed deacon is an layperson that is appointed or elected to assist the minister. Keep in mind, this is what we get when we appoint instead of seeking Jesus to place his anointed. And, Sadly, the churches are full of dead fruits. We now have the churches of the icebox using God to run from God. Ushers, somebody who escorts people to their seats, no voice yet having a great voice in their actions. Again, setting the scene for the entire experience. Nothing like encountering an usher in a bad mood. Then we have the trustworthy treasurer, somebody who manages the finances of the organization, usually the chief financial officer. Only the appointed one is taking the offerings for Christ and delegating to their own causes. Often, God is the last to be glorified. And even that is weak in speech, only giving thanks to God for the money's coming in. Sad, but true. Keep in mind, these are the appointed, not the anointed. These are the ones that the Pharisees and the Sadducees set in place for themselves. And that is why it is quite sad. You see, let's move on trustee, somebody who is given the legal authority to manage money and property on behalf of the church. Heckle and Jekyll syndrome. Wow. Secretary, employee who does clerical and administrative work in the office for the church. These positions are filled and carried out with much pleasure and a blessing to those that fill them. However, most of the time, not even belonging to the church because the leaders don't want anyone knowing what they are really up to. So they bring in an outsider not affiliated with the church in any way, shape, or form outside of answering to them. Prayer advocate, supporter that never seems to be there to answer the 24-hour phone line between the set hours to call the church for prayer, leaving many with the age-old question, why offer it if you're never gonna be there to assist and aid in it? Turning people off instead of turning them on to Jesus. Here we go again. Yet the biggest offense is not in them not being there. It's in Christ offering it and not being there. So it rests upon God setting bad examples. The Sadducees and the Pharisees because it is really quite sad. You see office personnel, receptionist that seems to hold no information regarding the church when she answers the phone because the receptionist that works in the office is not a member of the church and have little or no belief in what the church Rests in, letting everyone that crosses her path know they are a bother and a waste of her time. His or her only interest is in having a paying job, never even attending church except to come to work. While those that give into this institution wait for any position to open that they may feel a need in this so called perfect job called working for the church. Then we have the preacher that runs the church. However, cannot make a move without going through the others first, explaining to the congregation consisting of members that have been part of the church for years upon generations long gone because their parents and grandparents went there, their parents before them, and so forth and so on, explaining to the congregation what needs to happen to make the church a better place, hoping to attract more people. Never once having the guts to scream from the pulpit, the truth, the falsehoods, deceits, lies, drunkenness, forked tongues, phoniness, perverseness, promiscuity, backbiting, a real Sodom and Gomorrah, and lack of a real relationship with Christ outside in their day-to-day lives is a hindrance to all living in the shadows, thus birthing the name hypocrisy and religiosity in the church. Then we have the newcomer that seems to come from out of nowhere, sent for the rebuilding of the ugly within. See how God is good to give every opportunity for change and to change. Only all are blind to see the truth which is change within the church is necessary and no amount of people visiting or giving will change this fact that the body will not grow because there are too many heads with limited blood supply causing many a vessel to break and die off. News flash, they are not looking for a church. No, there's one on every corner. They are looking for a church with Jesus up in it. Just putting that fact out there. Unless you are a Pharisee or a Sadducee, which is still quite sad, you see? Visitors come and go, and it's wondered why. The church is losing financially, it's wondered why. The members are not giving or tithing, it's wondered why. And the topics preached forces guilt in an effort to make the members give outside of their means, leaving many to think they lack faith. The favor for the donations needed is blamed on the economy and every avenue is sought to bring in the help for the church. Yard sales, bake sales, car washes, fish fries, and whatever one can think of is offered in the church parking lot or inside. Setting up marketplaces within the church, selling whatever they can to bring in revenue for profit to maintain the chaos, rhetoric, and broken foundations built upon. News flash. God has everything and owns everything. He does not need our weenie roasts to survive. Having no chief cornerstone is never considered by the Pharisees and Sadducees, which is quite sad, you see, turning father's house into a den of thieves. This is what one thinks need to be done. One thinks God wants them to do whatever necessary, even renting out the church to those that hold assorted meetings, DWI, Alcohol Anonymous, whoever needs a space for whatever meeting is advertised stating space available after Sunday service see the pastor for details. Allowing mindsets, profanities, and paganism is brought into the church. Iron bars does not a prison make. Transforming the church into just another building. Every Sunday after the set time for it to be a church is over, that is, from whatever time to whatever time chosen to hold the holy services, that they may hold their unholy services. In the name of gain, this is done. Yet this is par for the course for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and it is why it is quite sad, you see. Nonetheless, whatever is needed to bring in the needed help to get money, it is done. Confessing daily, God understands. As the grounds become barren and the people die off, it is notice. A labor in everything done, believing There are no phony people in church. The preacher does not want to offend the members. The preacher doesn't want to offend the ones that do give large amounts by telling them to stop cursing in the church, stop backbiting, and causing strife between the other members. The preacher will not tell them to stop treating those that do visit as if they are not welcome because of their skin color or because they do not like how others dress. No. Instead, the preacher watches as people come and go. It is blamed on the possibility of those making the choice to leave the church must need prayer because something is obviously wrong with them. They must be going through something at home. Then remind everyone to pray for those later on when they get a chance to pray that is. Refusing to focus in on the true problem. The church is out of order. People come to the church to experience the trinity, not to experience insanity and corporate unity resembling what one would find in every downtown corporate building across the globe. God wants spiritual fruits, not religious nuts, forming many buildings in hopes of making a name or controlling some portion of a group that they consider perfect and pure. After all, they are Christians. They get together every Sunday and Wednesday to feed the hungry once a week, just like Jesus said they should do, leaving out the biggest part that states in Proverbs 25, compiled by the man, Hezekiah, king of Judah. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. As the heavens are high and the earth is deep, so the hearts of kings are unsearchable. Remove the dross from the silver. A silversmith can produce a vessel. Remove wicked officials from the king's presence, and his throne will be established through righteousness. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence. Do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. What will you do for gain? Trust. Can you be trusted if one confides in you? Some will sell their soul for the benefit of not having to struggle in this life, only to find that the struggle is worse than before, except now the debt is to a collector that have no mercy, not an ounce. Its primary collective is to kill, steal, and destroy. This collector cannot be tempted with beauty or riches. No, this debt collector is only interested in that breath within our body that we think Belongs to us. So, I guess in essence, we are giving away something that really does not belong to us in practicing our free will. We lay down our very soul, which is still a foundation that does not belong to us. So, how far will you go for comfort? We cannot let our free will dig our grave. Being a false witness, how far will we go? How far? A false witness against our brethren for gain not only throwing one under the bus but getting in the bus and backing over them time and time again sad but true it is also written what you have seen with your eyes do not bring hastily to court for what will you do in the end if your neighbors put you to shame if you take your neighbor to court do not betray another's confidence or the one who hears it may shame you and the charge against you will stand like apple of gold in settings of silver is a ruling rightly given. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is the rebuke of a wise judge to a listening ear. Like a snow-cooled drink at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to the one who sends him. He refreshes the spirit of his master like clouds and wind without rain is one who boasts of gifts never given. Through patience a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. If you find honey, eat just enough too much of it and you will vomit. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house too much of you and they will hate you. Like a club or a sword or a sharp arrow is one who gives false testimony against a neighbor. Yes, I have given scriptures written in our basic instructions before leaving earth. As you can hear and see with your heart that that old wives fable, babies don't come with instructions, I beg to differ. Instructions on how to live, instructions on how to be free, instructions on how to be happy, instructions on how to not fall into temptation, your Bible, a.k.a. basic instructions before leaving earth, Bible is the acronym. Grab you a copy and learn how to start living in the name of Jesus. Here are some more instructions from our basic instructions before leaving earth. Like a broken tooth, our lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in a time of trouble. Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Excuse me, Jesus, while I fall will continue after this short effort advertisement. Welcome back the conclusion of part one Excuse me Jesus while I fall. There are so many things that guides us and leads us in the oracles of Father. Things that gear us and keep us away from bad habits and people with bad habits. That's if we press in. And yes, it is very hard to press in when you feel that you are losing your mind, especially when those around you seem to be aiding in your losing mental conditions. Honey, you don't even want to hear it. Feel it or want any of it. Can we talk? Let's be real. We don't even want to hear about this living word that we run from. And dare anybody to come to us with it talking about praise the Lord. One word for that attitude, perseverance, that will help us live it, receive it, and achieve it. You've heard a few of them. Here are some more. Like a north wind that blows unexpectedly, rain is like a sly tongue which provokes a horrified look. Better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. Like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. It is not good to eat too much, honey, nor is it honorable to search out matters that are too deep, like a city whose walls are broken through, is a person who lacks self-control. You see, there are many things that are written, and there's also a plea that is left on record as well, that states, in second chronicles seven and fourteen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their lands. There are also warnings against hypocrites and those that hold legalism and uh, great hypocrisies as well. It is also written to help us steer clear of these types. Therefore, they are godly and have a right to set themselves apart from others that are not like them, that are not doing the same works as they do, wholly on occasion. And I know we all know these types. The result is those that they feed never are fed truly. Where is the true bread? Why is the preacher not serving that to those members? Because first, that when they are serving human manna, you know, busy feeding them soup kitchens, that kind of thing, come and get a hot dog on Sundays, they may remember to serve the bread of life alongside it, especially since man cannot live by bread alone. It's one thing to feed someone, but it is another thing to feed someone with the living word of God. Having two faces, one to meet those outside the church, and another to let all know how spiritual they are. Even though the body is split, that is to say, the church is made up of mostly women. Those that do have their husbands alongside of them, the men seem to be frail and without voice, being led by the female mate as she appears to be the head of the household of faith. This is a travesty, having the roles switched, having many to fall daily, saying, excuse me, Jesus, while I fall. The man is the helpmeet instead of the woman, as written in the word of God. These do cloud the appearance of what a true woman of God supposed to be, lacking the qualities such as meekness, gentleness, honesty, and understanding. Many of the women proud to have been married and divorced three, four, five times, no problem at all. almost like it's jesting that It's okay to, if you don't like your husband, go out and get another one. But these are women that know the oracles of father and still do do these things and teach them and convince others that it's okay to do the same thing that they are doing and have done. However, holding on to the thought of I am woman, hear me roar. I will not submit to any man mentality while wearing vileness, bitterness, contempt, strife, and discord around their necks, hindering the growth needed for the prosperity to fall upon the foundations that they stifle. No one says anything because there are so many that are alike than not alike. This appears to be normal behavior among many in the body they label as Christ. Indeed, it is not the true body. What, will you teach me how to walk when you yourself are still crawling while many do fall prey to these super saints After visiting church, after church, after church, seeing that they are all the same, do turn away, refusing to step foot in another church while they are on this earth. They have been turned off instead of being turned on to Jesus. Their motto is, I can stay home and live a lot better than most of those people that go to church sad but true, never ever experiencing the true meeting with the one that should be represented nationwide in these buildings labeled church. How do we miss the mark on Christ? Why is it so hard to be transformed into the creatures spoken of in the Bible? This new creature, the answer is by renewing of the mind and spirit. This is a day-to-day walk with Christ, not a Sunday stroll. So many are guilty of this. At times, even me, I am not excluding myself except in learning and seeing to change my ways before Christ write to you that you may join me in this change. The biggest influence to have is a prayer life outside of the church, a relationship with Christ outside of the church, outside of the pastor, outside of the super saints. If there is no prayer life outside the church, never pick up the Bible outside of church. Many do not even own a Bible or bring one with them to church when they do attend on occasion. No notebook to take notes. Just in case, God says something through the speaker that one would want to record to pass on to another or to refresh and stir up in their spirit. Seats are filled as if this warrants some type of spirituality qualifying them to become super saints while pointing their fingers at those that refuse to be like-minded. I myself being born in 1960 and being reborn in 1994 seeing the hate the hurt deceit, lies, backbiting, strife, contention, falsehoods, and greed within the church from then my rebirth until now 2021. I shed many tears to see that the commercialism, the stand that many preachers have taken in order to get financial backing has placed Christianity in a whole other light, containing or else trying to shake the thought, the notion of a backslide that would seal my fate if I gave into those notions. If I gave into those preconceived notions that my spiritual growth and my salvation indeed rests within the church. As I excuse myself from this broken body we call Christianity by saying, Excuse me, Jesus, while I fall. This is The Storyteller with part one of Excuse me, Jesus, while I fall. Stay tuned for Excuse me, Jesus, while I fall part two. Subscribe to keep up to date.